Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Erin McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. I recently made a trip up to the New River Plateau, north of Fayetteville, West Virginia, to the community of Heiko. I went there to see the new location of the Free Folk Brewery. It's a brewery that opened in Fayetteville in the spring of 2019 and is now in the midst of developing a new base just about 10 miles north of their existing tap room in Fayetteville. The owners are making a big investment in new facilities and associated businesses that should be open to the public in the spring of 2023. I met up with brewery proprietors Sarah and Jeff Edwards at their new facility for a tour and some conversation. I wanted to hear their experience opening a small brewery and now greatly expanding it just about three and a half years later. I'm here with Jeff and Sarah Edwards, the proprietors of the Free Froak Brewery, now in Heiko, West Virginia. And Heiko, West Virginia, tell me where is Heiko, West Virginia, the place that I'm sitting well, Charles, I think it's best described as right off of 19, and it is on Route 60, which is Midland Trail, which connects Lewisburg to Charleston, Is you know, in the old days, that's how they would travel, and it is about eight miles north of the New River Gorge Bridge, sitting right next to the uh, National Park. Yeah, great location here for tourism. I would think, and uh, before we talk about why we're in Heiko, West Virginia, I want to talk to Jeff and Sarah a little bit about where this whole brewing thing started with you guys. I mean, how did you two decide to get into the brewing business, and when did that happen? Sure. In 2017, um, my former business partner, Jamie Lester, decided we bought a building in Fayetteville and decided we were going to start a brew pub. Initially, our ideas were really small from um, a standpoint, and they kind of grew from a standpoint of just brewing our own beer. So it went from maybe a collaboration, and we and we always have a guest tap, and we still do that in some regard. But most of the beer that we that sold there is we we've brewed, um, and so we started and we actually opened our the idea came about in 2018. We started in 2019, opened our doors in April 2019, and. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, honestly, try to learn every day that we've been open. So it's been a it's been a process. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the, the Fayetteville location. Mm-hmm. And it's still there. And what you how you started, what kind of equipment you started with and, and get us up to sort okay. of up to date. So we started out with a three and a half barrel system. Um, and we have a, we had six, seven barrel fermenters, some three and a half barrel fermenters also. Um, and so, yeah, we, we double batched a lot there and, and, and quite honestly, this, the, the, the facility was never equipped to be a brewery. And so, but we made do with what we had and, um, we did our best on, on a daily and, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it's been a challenge, you know, there. So, but, uh, we, we've had some success. I mean, COVID obviously put us, uh, you know, you know, we, we didn't ever plan to package, never planned to package, not one day, but COVID, COVID forced us into packaging and which is forces down this road that we're on now. So, yeah. And at the 
Fayetteville location, you not only have the brewery, but that's your tap room. And uh, maybe Sarah, could you kind of describe the tap room there that, and the experience that people get when they, when they go to the Fayetteville tap room for free folk? Well, I just love to see when people walk in, especially when people walk in for the first time, you can see their eyes light up with all of the art and the metal. Um, and then they're always surprised to see the styles of beer that we have there. And they always seem to be pretty happy. Uh, we have just added a game room. So we have ping pong inside and pinball machines. So there's a lot more to do than just come to drink beer, which you know that people like to do that too. But um, we have a great team, a great staff there with our uh, Rachel as our tap room manager. And, uh, and, and Jeff and I always joke that um, I'm, I focus on the little details. He's the big picture guy. I'm the, the small picture guy. So I think we make a, a good team that way. So we make a lot of things happen there. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the beers that you've been brewing and how that's developed from where you started a few years ago to yeah. today. Yeah, we we you know we've always been and probably will continue to be, and we we brew American styles, you know, um, which I I think I mean I'll, my philosophy is I just want to brew styles that people like and want to drink. Um, we are in a outdoor recreational mecca. So we find that a lot of people gravitate towards the, the lower gravity beers because they're still maybe are going to go recreate later that afternoon or they, they have a long day ahead of them. So we, we generally try to keep our styles, American styles, so American wheat beers, American IPAs, um, American blondes. Um, we try to keep them in the four to six you know, percent range. I mean, we, you know, we do larger beers, especially this time of year. And when it's winter, we like to do an imperial stout. But yeah, that's the plan. I mean, in in the old, but the new facility will be able to do some different styles. So let's talk for a minute about uh, staffing. How how that grew from when you opened to where you are today at, at Fayetteville. Yeah, our staff um, honestly has become. I I think when we first opened, we probably had about the same amount of employees. Which right now we have ten employees, and not including Sarah and I. And I think. Um, we had, we had more, we had about the same amount of staff, but we were doing a lot less business. I think our staff now is a lot more, um, they do a lot more than our first staff do. Cause I think we just have the experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, and ever we know what people are supposed to be doing when. So I think from a staff point, we, we have a very solid staff. And one thing I do want to say, Charles, is that Jim Way has been with us from the beginning. Jim Way started out as our general manager and was going to manage our tap room um, and the restaurant that we had. And he became really interested in brewing. And next thing you know, Jim Way is the brewer. And he has been with us since day zero. Yeah. So any of the uh, beers you see right now, even out in the market from uh, Free Folk, will have been brewed by Jim Way. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. Homegrown talent. Uh, that uh, yeah, to see here, I mean, that's what makes these breweries fun. I think people don't, a lot of people have general public, I mean, don't realize, you know, that a little brewery pops up, hires 10 people. I mean, it's amazing. And somebody has to be the head brewer. Somebody has to brew good beer. I mean, if you don't do that, man, you don't have a business after a while. So yeah, it doesn't mean you'll be successful just because you brew good beer, because you got to sell it. But decide, it looks like you guys have done both. You mentioned that you've done some 
distribution, COVID came, you started packaging beer to, to sell away from your, your pub. Uh, I know a little three-and-a-half-barrel system, you may not uh, think that you could do much uh, packaging and, and sales away, but talk a little bit about how that has occurred. Yeah, sure. I mean, Fayetteville, uh, for all his majesty, is great for in so many regards, but it in November comes around, it slows down. I mean, people just don't come. I mean, um, you know, it's a world-class destination, uh, in my opinion, all year round, but a lot of the public, you know, stay away. Maybe they're skiing, maybe they're traveling other places, but, um, so it slows down dramatically. So for us, it was a matter of talking about our great staff is just like keeping our staff on. It's not, you know, brewery's not a business that can be seasonal because, you know, you can't lose momentum. I mean, momentum is crucial to every brewery like that. You got to keep on learning, keep on developing, keep on making, you know, adjustments. And so um, for us, it was a matter, okay, we, we, we're not as busy, so let's do a little bit of packaging and, and, and subsequently let's do a little distribution and, and dip our toe into it. And we self-distribute. And um, even though, yeah, even though we're in the process of getting some distributors now, but from the brew pub model, it's been, um, that's, so that's how it got started. It's just a slow winter, to be honest with you, so. And before we talk a lot about the new Free Folk Brewery location, I want to make sure people understand that the current location in that transition is still open. And, and Sarah, maybe could you explain how that process is at the, at the current brew pub? Yeah, so not only are we going to stay open, but we are going to extend our hours. And uh, we are really excited about uh, hiring some new staff and we have hired a chef recently and his name is Eric and he is going to execute a Greek menu. So we're really pumped about it because people, we've gotten a lot of good feedback so far. There, it, you're, You can't find a lot of Greek food in Southern West Virginia. So yeah, so we're really excited to continue to do events. We're planning an IPA festival at the uh, Free Folk Tap Room in January, a sour festival in February, and um, yeah, so we're excited. And we, like I said, we've in, we've we've added a game room, and um, we have an outdoor space, and we'll, we have music most every Saturday. Uh, but I think we'll also have music on uh, other days of the week as we, uh, you know, expand and continue to grow there. And also, we're still we're we'd like to do community focused events like um, Small Business Saturday, the the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, we have twelve vendors that are going to be at the at the tap room, um, selling their wares and um, just celebrating community locally grown business. And uh, that's really what what we love about the tap room, and one of the big reasons we want to keep it up because we do think it, it is a community a place for community to gather. I also wanted to say that our marketing and sales uh, manager, Summer Lee, has done a great job with scheduling a lot of community-focused events. Uh, One in particular uh, are Pints for Purpose, and that is the second Thursday of every month that we'll invite a community organization into the tap room and uh, donate a portion of the proceeds to their cause. Wonderful. That's another benefit of small breweries around West Virginia and everywhere is they're normally very community involved and focused and, and are a great asset to the small businesses that, that, you know, that make those communities go. And I want to move our focus now 
to the new project, the big news, that there's a major expansion underway for Free Folk Brewery. Uh, so let's say we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that we're in Heiko, West Virginia, which is a little bit out of Fayetteville, a little, a little bit of a, a hike away. What did you guys find here in Heiko that made you decide that was the spot to expand? Well, for me, um, one thing that I learned early and often first starting in the brewing business is that you need space. You need space to grow into. And we found a building, a 20,000-square-foot building, that had most of everything that we wanted. Um, first and foremost, a, a building that we didn't have to do a lot of work to. Parking, easy access off of US-19. Um, that's the big, really, the 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 big motivator here we looked at spaces to build um Fayetteville honestly there's not a lot of opportunities there as far as building a commercial building and downtown is uh, there's no place for downtown either so um for us it was a natural fit we looked in Beckley we looked in Oak Hill we even looked in Charleston but we this this building you know we continue to circle back around here so this is you know that made a lot of sense yeah for folks that don't know that might have been through this area. This was an old Harley Davidson dealer, which I say old, not that old. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it was built, but it's a modern building. Mm-hmm. And you say it's right off 19. Mm-hmm. 19 is the expressway that you're from, a lot of people ride up and down north and south, and mm-hmm. that takes you right to Fayetteville. And remind me again how many miles to Fayetteville from here? Um, it's six miles to Fayetteville. Yeah. So you're just so. on the outs. This is basically a suburb. <laughs> Yeah. What you call it. That. Yeah. Well, we know that when a small business starts, there's a lot of growing that has to happen. It's sometimes painful. You know, you don't know what the market's going to be until you find it. You find out, and sometimes it's the hard way. You don't always do everything right. You probably wish, you know, times you could have figured out something different. I think in one place you said, uh, Jeff, maybe that the, uh, the place that you're you're at now wasn't really a great place physically to be a brewery, you know, because of the way it was laid out and whatever. And now it looks like you found a space that is great layout that you can build a brewery. So talk a little bit about what you found here in this, uh, more about the building layout that would help that happen. Yeah, well, I think with a brewery, I mean, first and foremost, you need energy. It's a very energy-intensive business. And one thing that I saw the first time I visited the building, A, it had open, expansive space, which you need in in tall ceilings. Um, But primarily, it had a commercial electric system, three-phase electric, which is is, imperative to any brewery of any size to have the three-phase electric. So... This building um, was actually renovated in 2018, and um, they brought in mo- very the most modern uh, power um, service here. So for me, it was just a matter of like that that kind of infrastructure was already here. It has city water, which we brought in our own. We brought in a line, several lines, just for the brewery. So the water that was here was good, but we brought in our own, like the brewery has its own um, lines dedicated to it because 
that wasn't a large enough line. But that that's kind of stuff that's doable. You just have to have access to water, access yeah. to power. And that's a great find, though. I mean, I think that uh, the idea that you could find a, a building right down the road, in a sense, from where you started, that was the perfect kind of space, gave you a lot of options. But I guess from the business side, I want to know, this is a big move up. I mean, from where you are now to, we'll talk about like the square footage here in a minute, but what gave you the confidence that that was going to be a good move in a business sense? Well, from my standpoint, I think, it, A, we talked about it early, a little bit earlier, but we have, I felt like we have the staff that that could be, even even st- current staff that could go into new roles. Um, so we, we, we have a great staff. We're small. Um, and so I felt like if if I, if I Sarah and I, I should say put this infrastructure in place um, that that we could you know our staff could flourish a little bit and I felt like in the old in the tap room um, it has its it has its limitations obviously from a growth standpoint but the big picture to, to get out of the you know not think within that space we had to, we had to make a move and um, for us it was either go big or go home essentially mm-hmm. so, so you had maxed out the capacity as far as making beer at sure. the current location yes in fact even most of the time in the summers we had to stop distributing so we would build a distribution network in the winter in the winter time but then have to subsequently tell them hey well we'll get back with you in november and a lot of and, and honestly there's a lot of customers that would say we that we don't we don't like that model because you know they would put us on tap and then we'd be gone for six months and then we'd have to go ingratiate ourselves again so even this like this summer like in in early August, we barely had enough. We could barely produce enough just for the tap room. So that's where we were. Yeah, and I, I think we mentioned that earlier, too, that, you know, in a three-and-a-half-barrel system, it's typically one that'll just supply a pub, and it's hard to make a whole lot extra that you don't sell. But apparently, your business, as far as repeat customers, tourist customers in Fayetteville, has has given you that confidence. Is that true? Oh yeah, we have a lot of local folks that are um, that come to see us regularly, and we're also finding that the folks in Charleston and Huntington they'll come out, they'll drive all the way uh, to Fayetteville to come to like when we have an IPA festival or uh, a beer release. Uh, they they'll come. Yeah, even our Charles, I'd tell you Charleston. Is uh, that whole that city has really been ultra supportive of us? We have dozens of people that come that are we have dozens of people that are part of our mug club that are live in Charleston, so we have had a huge amount of support. Um, uh, you know, it's definitely a place that is the craft beer, craft beer knowledge, craft beer enthusiasm is growing daily there. Now at the new location here in Heiko, I'm sitting in one of the office spaces here as we're doing this interview, and we walked around earlier. It's massive. I mean, to me, how many square feet is the whole facility? It's it's 20,000 square feet total. 20,000 square mm-hmm. feet. Now, you're not going to use all that mm-hmm. for a brewery, at least not initially. So mm-hmm. talk about how that's going to be divided up a little bit. Yeah, we have the goal. We want to make um, we want to make this facility 
you know, a welcome center, if you will, uh, maybe north of the bridge welcome center, because we have we have spaces for our RVs to pull in and park and be able to enjoy the brewery. But we also want to have some retailers in, in in the building also that maybe provide a different experience just the brewery. We're going to have a food option also, some food trucks. So the the idea is to like have uh, we're have a little cafe here. Um, and we're in talks with several retailers, um, and you know about um, becoming a part of what we're do- what we're doing here. Yeah, and so we're just in the beginning stages of planning uh, our tasting room and kind of what that's going to look like. And we want to pull the same aesthetic from the Free Folk Tap Room in Fayetteville. Pull that same aesthetic here with, uh, you know, the dark interior with artwork on the walls, uh, with some metal and wood integrations. Uh, And we're also inspired to give people more than just one reason to come to the tasting room. We'd like to do some games, uh, pinball, darts. Horseshoes. Horseshoes. So we've got a lot of space here, and I think it's a lot of space that we could use to really entertain folks when they stop by. Right. Yeah, that, that's the thing that impressed me walking in this building because, I mean, I'd seen this building for years. I'd never been in it. And to see how much space really is here, and you talk about having other retailers, you know, compatible retailers that could, could kind of be the welcome area for northern Fayette County or whatever you want to call it yeah I like that idea uh and the big tap room here what how will it how will it be set up I mean once you what's your plans for that tap room and how many taps and what are you thinking about so we're we're going to start out with 12 taps um initially um but the plan is we we want to give people a different experience here in this tasting room um I mean because when I go to a brewery, and I think this is everybody, you want an experience, and every brewery has a different experience. And we we want to be able to a we're going to do tours, um, which we're going to show people around the um, around the brewery itself. But then we're also going to have a barrel aging room that we're going to be able to let people experience what barrel aging is. We have the space to do that here, um, and then. In additional to that, we are going to have a lot of games, like Sarah mentioned, um, that'll be more family friendly and a place that you could hang out um, for a longer period of time, um, and you know, have some food, play some games, and just and just you know, really socialize. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the brewery itself. You probably have ten times the space in your brewery section of the building that you had where you originally started. So talk about what's over there and how's it set up. Sure. So we started out. Um, we we based everything. We have a twenty barrel brew house. Um, it's a twenty barrel brew house with a thirty barrel hot liquor tank, which we oversized the hot liquor tank for future expansion. You know, if if that happens and. Um, so we can, um, we can, you know, double batch if we have to. Currently we're not, um, we have a 17 half barrel fermenters. We have four of those and then we have three 17 half barrel bright tanks. And then we brought uh, additional to that. We brought six, seven barrel, um, fermenters over from the, um, tap room so we can do small batch experimental, um, brews. Um, right now we're experimenting with a hard seltzer, um, we uh, have some sour beers and fermentation on the smaller side. Um, so, you know, and we also are experimenting with a, a light lager 
um, which we haven't been able to do loggers in the past. And so the idea is to experiment with loggers. We do have the capacity to do it now and um, the tank space. So, um, and, and we think that's, you know, it's a growing market um, as, you know, as, you know, as the craft beer market grows. And I would think that the uh, at least theoretical capacity, annual capacity of brewing here would move up from a few hundred barrels a year to several thousand. Be, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we, we'll probably do our first year. We'll probably do, I would say our first full year here in 23, we'll probably do just over a thousand. But as we grow or, you know, hopefully, you know, we that's one thing this brewery is built and i designed all aspects so we could grow into it rather than like i mean the tap room that the tap the mm-hmm. brew pub was we outgrew it day one essentially right so we you know the idea here was that we could grow into our space yeah so is this pretty much self-financed are you uh how, talk a little bit about how what's the total investment in this new facility if you can kind of give me a ballpark. yeah sure i mean we're we're definitely it's sarah and i sarah and i are 100 owners of the of free folk brewery and um we have we have a partner on the building so we're we own the building but we're we have another we took on one an additional partner for the building so um we bought that build build that and then free folk leases that space from 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 our company um but the a total investment definitely on the cheap side, I thought was it's over a million. But but I think building this brewery like from scratch, we 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 were very thrifty. We we I've been to Sarah and I've been to Detroit, Washington D.C., Charlotte, New York City twice, upstate New York. <laughs> so we've picked up equipment all over the country. And um, and Jeff has several stories of uh, hauling those large tanks back from upstate New York and it was pretty harrowing so and I think that speaks to our thriftiness and like putting things together and uh, buying a lot of used equipment and Jeff he didn't mention but he is the plumber the electrician the janitor (laughs) the driver the hauler so not a very good janitor so I think that you know his skill set and his background in construction technology made him a um, made this made this all happen. Yeah, it's it's apparent. It's clear that to be successful in a small brewery, unless you just come in with a load of money behind you, you've got to be real ingenious and and do a lot of that work yourself and I I think that would apply to basically all the breweries in our state that are successful anyway the the ones that uh, everybody's they're pretty pretty thrifty and 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 they do a lot of the work themselves and and I, I like to hear that that means that you're committed here yeah. Yes. So when you think this place gets fully uh, functioning and up and running, and including the the tap room in Fayetteville, you'll have both the new tap room here. What do you think the employment will go from the ten you currently have? What do you What do you estimate? I would I would say we're going to be in the twenty to thirty range. Certainly, you know, um, you know, we self distribute, so obviously that adds some adds some employees to in sales and marketing and trucks and drivers. We, you know, we do plan to, we are taking on some distributors in the Northern Panhandle and the Eastern Panhandle um, because it's just too far. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about what that changes in the business model, because when you're 
you have this kind of capacity, at least in the brewing equipment side, and you want to put it to use to make money on what you've invested there, that means you're probably going to have to emphasize a lot more packaging and a lot more in distribution because you'll produce or have certainly the capacity to produce a lot more than you can sell in the tap rooms. Yes. Um, you know, one thing that we want to do is grow our, our, our brand and, our, and grow through the tap rooms. But what we're hoping is, um, you know, because we do have the capacity is for people to come to the brewery, have a great experience, and then go back to Charleston, Morgantown, Wheeling, for that matter, and say, oh, you know, I really had a good experience there um, and want to, want to have another Free Folk beer. Um, yeah, and I think you know it allows us to do that um, because we are in a you know air, a desired area for people to come and travel to and experience it. I think we'll be able to make that happen. So I'm assuming that you're not only going to have draft, but you'll have a lot of canned beer. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the, what packaging. Sure, we can. Have. Right now, we're canning in 16 ounce um, cans, and we're doing four packs. Um, we're mainly canning our core brands: um, Bury the Hatchet, which is an American wheat beer with a little bit of raspberry puree on it. Um, Trucker Speed, which is a a 7.8% IPA that we mainly use hop oils in. It's probably our most popular beer. Um, Orange Oswald, which is a citrus smash beer. And Moondog, which is American Blonde. Um, Those are the four that we'll have. Like, our goal is to have those all the time. Now, Sarah, when you do need to grow that market, uh, it it's not something that just happens because you make more beer. You have to staff that. You have to have a plan. You have to have a marketing program. Could you talk a little bit about what your plans are there? Sure. So Summer Lee is our uh, sales and marketing manager, and Kyle is our salesperson and um, delivery person. So they're, they make a great team. They are constantly uh, – putting out the word that uh, with the, the new beers that we have and keeping in touch with our current customers and also introducing themselves to potential customers. Uh, we have had a focus on um, education for the um, our customers and their staff. Uh, so we have developed these little cards that um, – are handy for beer servers. So many times Jeff and I will go into an establishment where they may or may not have our beer and the bartender or the server knows absolutely nothing about the draft beer that they have. They say, oh yeah, people are always asking for what's local or, or you know, what's West Virginia. And so we want to make that easier for folks to, uh, to sell the craft beer. You know, I think the sales and marketing is is definitely one of the the more difficult aspects of of a brewery because I think you have to attach the brand has to be attached to something, um, and you know your styles have to be you know have to back that up. I mean, for us, it's about at, outdoor activity, and like I mentioned earlier, um, we want to be you know, associated with like, Hey, a long hike, you have a beer afterwards, a, you know, a mountain biking trip, you have a, a beer afterwards. And obviously that goes along with where we're at in the new river gorge. Um, but yeah, from a cell, a cell standpoint, um, 
Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we are, you know, kind of mid range on the alcohol side and American styles. So, and that's what we're trying to get through to our customers and hopefully beer drinkers like that approach. Well, you must have had some good feedback from retailers out there, bars and restaurants where you have already sold beer. Uh, Talk a little bit about how, what you've learned from that or what you see there. Well, one thing I've experienced is the um, overwhelming positive uh, feedback that we get from doing tap takeovers. And so I think it's a really good opportunity to get out and meet people, meet, really spend some time with the um, with our customers and their customers. And uh, that's one of the things that I think we'd like to continue to do throughout the state. You know, are the do retailers, bars, restaurants have questions like, well, why should I carry free folk? I mean, what do you all offer that I don't already have on my shelf? Sure. I mean, I think, I mean, personally, I think what, what we offer is, um, is a, a local op- opportunity, a local alternative to the national brands. Um, and, and then in freshness, I think is another thing. Um, but I think, uh, f- from a, from a style standpoint, you know, IPAs are the heavy favorite, um, and people, for instance, a lot of our IPAs right now are going more of the tropical, tropical fruit, passion fruit flavors and citrus flavors. Um, you know, not that the piney, um, you know, piney IPAs are bad. It's just the general public wants some, that's what we, and that's what we offer is those styles. Yeah. Jeff, you're making me salivate here in just a minute. We're going <laughs> to, uh, maybe open one of those IPAs or whatever you want to pick and we're going to taste the beer, but before we do the tasting part, which we'll end this podcast with, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about the beer varieties, though, that you might see. Uh, do you have a like a projection on what's going to sell once you amp up the dis- I mean, the production, and you have to sell more. I mean, what's do you think there'll be stylistic differences, or that you'll make more of certain ones than you do now? I mean, ratio wise. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen it since we've been open. I mean, we've doubled our since we've opened the um, new facility. We've already doubled our distribution just by like you know obviously taking care of our current customers, but then being able to expand it. So we've doubled, which is not a huge number right now, but it's, you know, but the IPAs, I mean, that's what people want. And like I was saying, uh, I mean, and also we have mentioned Barry the Hatcher earlier. People like, um, we're finding that people want a, um, a very drinkable beer, um, that's not overly fruity, but has a, a, a hint of fruitiness and dryness to it. Um, and, and is that kind of your brewing philosophy then that summarize that? I mean, wh- yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think, um, I definitely, well, for sure on the fruity beer stuff, you know, I think if you're going to add, add puree to a beer, I, I don't, you don't want, you still want it to taste like a beer. So, and that's, that's what we've always tried to do. And we had a lot of success with our wild and free series. So we'd like to get back to doing the Wild and Free series. And talk, uh, describe what that series is. So our Wild and Free series is a series of beers that highlight a um, an ecological need or a, a species in the New River Gorge region. Like something endangered? Could be, yes. Or just something local? <laughs> it may not necessarily be something endangered. Uh, most recently, we did our, um, the knotweed, Naughty by Nature. Oh. The Naughty by Nature. And it we highlighted the knotweed plant, which is invasive. So it's anything to kind of bring awareness 
to uh, to something like that. But we are going to get back on track with doing our Wild and Free series. For instance, the Allegheny Alligator is our choc- chocolate cherry chili stout. Uh, and it highlights the um, species of concern, which is the eastern hellbender. Um, we also are going to start to do the, um, the big-eared bat, which is a uh, – the Virginia big-eared bat, which is a – uh, brown ale and um, and then I think the most the the one that honestly is one of my favorites is the flying squirrel which is obviously it it, it was endangered I don't think it's endangered any longer but um, since they started to restore the spruce forest and we, it's a spruce tip pale ale it's one of my favorite beers um, we have to we're actually this year we're, we're applying for a permit to forage in the national forest so we can go and collect more <laughs> spruce tips. In the years past, we've just harvested them from local places. But this year, I think we're going to actually apply for a permit so we can get larger quantities of that. Well, I like how you are localizing your products, your beers, that it makes sense. You know, you've got this big national park down the road now. And I, I got a feeling that that has to... We're at the beginning of that, really, the development of what tourism can be. Talk what you guys think about the National Park, the New River Gorge National Park, and how that will impact business in this area, you think? I mean, I think it's been great. I mean, I know there's a lot of folks that have, um, you know, a lot of like local people that maybe felt like that they were not going to have the access that they once did. But I've found that the access is great and just, I mean— Quite honestly, I just like sharing what I've always known about uh, the New River Gorge, which is an amazing place full of recreational opportunities. And I just love the fact that that people from outside of West Virginia have an opportunity to recognize that. And I, I do think, you know, um, I, I love the fact that there's still a lot of local businesses and that those local businesses are growing as a result of that. And I think in the future, I mean, it's going to be something we're going to have to be mindful of um, that we don't want a bunch of big box and, you know, a bunch of corporate things. But that's just something that the nature of the beast. And um, to me, growth is inevitable. And I think, like you said, Charles, that you know, we're at the beginning stages of it. And now it's for us to be cognizant of what the future looks like. And, and as local people develop that idea into something that we can all live with. Yeah, that's right. Jeff, Sarah, you guys are doing your part here. It's uh, this investment is, is very impressive. It's a, it's going to be, I know going to be an incredible addition to the community, not only to tourism, but to local folks like, uh, like me, you know, coming up here to Heiko, I'll have to Make sure, <laughs> at least in good weather, you know, I'll be up this way. Yeah. Well, thanks, so Charles. Let's uh, take a little break here. We come right back. We're going to taste a beer or two of Free Folk Brewery, and we'll be back. And we're back in Heiko, West Virginia, at the Free Folk Brewery with Sarah and Jeff Edwards. And we're going to taste a couple of beers. Jeff, uh, what are we tasting? 
So um, the first beer we're going to taste is an Imperial Stout. Um, one advantage that we have of the new facility is we have an oversized mash tun, so we, we can do some larger beers without without overflowing our mash tun. And um, we have space to barrel age, so we decided we did 14 barrels of this, and we were barrel aging seven barrels, and then this is the non-barrel aged, um, this regular fermented out um imperial stout we call it the free folk imperial and um, is it in the market now it is it is it's uh, people it's in tap room at our tap room and in in other people's places also um but yeah it's it's good it's got great mouthfeel um it's it has some toasty notes and uh the aromas the has some chocolate aroma to it um it's good yeah and no, we think it's 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 balanced with the uh the bitterness from the uh, centennial hops Okay, Centennial Hops. Kind of on the end there. Some roasted malts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, doing the bigger beers is, 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 is fun because uh, you can, you you know, I don't, it's a little bit of a cheat code, you know, because you get great mouthfeel and the, um, you know, just the, the, the burn of the alcohol a little bit, you know, you got you to gotta love of Imperial. And this is just right above 8% too, so it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it does uh, have the mouth feel. It fills your mouth with flavor. Yeah. And it's really been nice to see Jim, our brewer, be able to spread his wings on some of these bigger beers and spread his wings in general here on the larger system. Yeah, larger system definitely helped. I think from a quality control standpoint, it's, it's, it, it, it allows there's a lot more um, opportunities to, yeah. to control the quality throughout. Yeah, and many times I know, from talking to brewers around the country, when you move from a smaller system to a larger one, the dynamics of the system are quite different, and all your recipes have to be tweaked a yes. bit to get them to stay the same, to yeah. taste the same, I mean. Yeah. I don't know if you've found that so far. Yeah, we're still tweaking. We're still tweaking. I mean, our beers have definitely been consistent here. Um, the volumes, of we're having to tweak volumes a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely been... Uh, Scaling has not been easy, especially we we worked in barrels mostly at the old facility in gallons, and we're kind of working in in liters and hectoliters now um, on both ah, sides. Barrels gone, also gone metric, have you? Yeah, right, exactly. Just like the <laughs> Europeans. <yeah. laughs> so, who do you think the customer for a, an imperial stout is? What do you find? I think it's the craft. Be- I think it's the 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 it's what is called a brewer's beer, you know. So I think the the person that is a seasoned craft beer drinker is going to g- gravitate towards the higher alcohol and um, beers. That's the that's beer. I mean, quite honestly, from a sales standpoint, they don't do great. You know, they're hard to move. I mean, if you know, if you're, but that's, but you don't. If we were in this for all, you know, making money, we wouldn't be in this game, right? So, it, it you know, you want to do beers that are exciting and that you can barrel age too, which is an, another whole another adds another whole another profile, tasting profile to your beers. So that's fun too. Yeah. When uh, will you plan on in the future packaging these imperial stouts? Yes, the barrel aged one will be packaged. Uh, we're kegging this imperial, the non barrel aged. It's in kegs right now. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You did say it was out in some other bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the barrel aged one will be bottled in twenty two ounce bottles, um, probably January or Feb- late okay. February. So, beer number two. Yeah. Hey, what's uh, when we have another one here? Uh, Go ahead. With yeah, that. this one's our, this is our kind of what if you know if we were to have call a flagship. This is uh, Trucker Speed, which is a um, it's a you know 
it's a hazy IPA. Definitely, most of our beers are hazy, just due to the fact that we don't use findings or, or do any uh, filtering. Um, but it's mainly there is no um, uh, there's no pellet hops in this beer um, on the on the hot side. So this is all we use hop oils 100% on the hot side and the boil. So um, you know, th- so we we do dry hop it with pellets. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's what you get. I think it, it's very passion fruit, um, on the nose. And then even the taste when you, the, the first initial taste of it, um, is, uh, is very passion fruit. And there's not a ton of bitterness cause we don't do, we don't add the oils until about 30 minutes into the boil. Now has this beer moved a bit in the taste profile since you first uh, introduced it? Just a little bit. Just a little. It has. It has. Um, Maybe more tropical. Yeah, I think so. I think it has went more tropical, um, and as it, you know, um, especially as it ages a little bit. Like I know, uh, typically ales are you're not aging, but even like a month down the road, it'll go. It'll be a much more tropical than it is when it first comes out of the fermenter and is packaged. Interesting. Yeah, it, it changes a little. I don't. I don't know if it's the hop oils. I mean, obviously you have some. You know, you're going to lose a little bit of hop aroma down the road, but. And Sarah, at the uh, at the pub or the tap room currently, who do you see as the customers for these hazy IPAs? Well, we have a lot of folks from Charleston coming down just to get the hazy IPA, the, to get the uh, the trucker speed in particular. Uh, we also see whenever we do beer festivals, we have people come up like, hey, do you guys have that trucker? And also, surprisingly enough, we've had some... Uh, new craft beer drinkers in the area that maybe think they only like uh you know the the domestic style beers and they'll say boy man i just love that trucker uh so it's been it's been really fun to turn uh turn those folks on to you know something with a lot of flavor a lot of taste yeah i'm sure you've seen that because of the low bitterness that jeff mentioned and these kind of uh, hazy beers or hazy ipas that it does open up and appeal more to non-ipa drinkers almost you know to the people who aren't big on hops or at least the bitterness of what they think hops, hops always are and I guess what you've seen in trucker speed is that phenomena. It's broad, it has a broad appeal. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and it's funny because uh, I do think they, I mean, I love a big piney um, IPA um, or pale ale, if you will. Like Sierra Nevada, obviously it's a pale ale, but it's, you know, really piney. Um, but that, that flavor, that the bitterness of that, I think it turns a lot of people off. Yeah, it's an acquired taste. And are you making a West coast IPA um, regularly? Not, not regularly. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, um, we, we make a smash IPA called uh, orange Oswald. Um, that's low bitterness. Um, also, and that, I don't know, that just seems, those are the beers that, that really, that we get the request for. Constantly. Would you say that the, maybe between orange Oswald and trucker speed that, that's your biggest sellers yeah, by uh, far, by far, by right far. now. And, and Moondog and Barry the Hatchet are. And Moondog is a, as a blonde. Yeah, Moondog American is a blonde. Yeah. And the Barry the Hatchet is an American wheat ale. That's fruited a little bit. Yeah. We think you mentioned it earlier. Raspberry puree. Yeah, the raspberry, yeah, raspberry one. Puree, yeah, that's yeah. right. But we're experimenting. We're experimenting with the hard seltzer right now. That's... I, I think the hard seltzer, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be prominent. Um, the key to breweries our size is the technology that, that gets, you know, makes it 
drinkable. It gets rid of some of those, the, f- the flavors that come along with it, like the yeastiness that of those. So, you know, it's um, just, you know, experimenting a little bit. Cause I do think that that would be something we'll package this summer too, is that is a hard seltzer. So. And it's been a lot of fun to experiment with some seasonal beers. For instance, we are releasing next week our uh, winter, uh, our, our ginger bear, gingerbread spiced winter ale. And that means it's going to be out here in uh, by the 1st of December, I guess, yes. or and, at the end of, uh, of November. And if Fayetteville has their annual gingerbread festival the first weekend in December. So we'll have it ready by then. So we're really excited about that. It'll actually be ready for small business Saturday after Thanksgiving at the tap room. It'll be available. It'll be the first day it'll be available. Okay. But I guess folks, maybe from other places, will you send any of those kegs out? Uh, we will. Okay. So yes. maybe Charleston, Huntington, at least. Uh, yeah. So I also I loved how, hearing that you make a lot of uh, moderate ABV beers. I mean, not too strong in the alcohol. As I travel the country, I, I, leading breweries, I mean, small breweries, uh, are finding that that seems like maybe the pendulum to big ABV has swung back a good bit. And I'm seeing, noticing a lot of people are emphasizing and offering more lighter styles. And certainly it happened this summer, you know, how many breweries had Kolsch-style beers, which were a lot of times uh, no more than 5%, maybe even under 5%. Lighter lagers, you know, just basic pilsners around 5%. That's really happening. So you mentioned, uh, Jeff, earlier that you guys were experimenting some or with the lagers, and that's what you were looking ahead a little with that. Talks to me why and what you're, you're trying to do there, what you think you might do. Well, I do. I mean, here, my, my opinion is this, that I think people have – People want a local option, but they always the local option, generally speaking, is that big IPA that's seven some change. Um, and people want a local option, but they also are more maybe more health conscious, or they're you know at the lake and they're there you know all day, and they maybe want to have more than two beers. So I think that's the market you know for us, especially in an outdoor recreational market, is that people. Yeah, that's um, a good point. I think that, but that outdoor and the recreation bias that you get in this region. Right, and you know, I you know me personally, I like to be able to have a beer at lunch, but then hop on my bike and go for a ride afterwards. So, you know, if you drink a eight percent, or the chances of you doing that are slim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've noticed even in the bigger markets where. Breweries can specialize now in just being a lager brewery, something that you wouldn't have seen 10 years ago in a craft, in the craft beer market. So these tiny breweries, they can just make, you know, 15 different lagers and that's, and they don't even make uh, IPAs. You know, it's amazing what you're seeing as this market develops and it's always going to be developing. And that's one of the challenges you guys have is keeping up with that market. You know, it's hard to lead the market, but, because you're small, but it's something that as, you know, consumer trends change, Sure, you know, you have to be there with them uh, to some extent or, or not. I mean, you don't have to, I guess. I mean, there are people that make the same thing they made 20 years ago. They typically aren't the ones people are talking about. these days. And I think that our customer base, they, they seem to like to see the new things and be excited to try new, new styles and, you know, from us and, right. and, um, we're also really looking forward to collaborating with uh, oh, other yeah. breweries and um, 
some folks in Beckley where we've got some collaborations with and and I think that like the overall spirit of this area really appreciates that and as far as seeing the breweries collaborate with each other and the camaraderie I think is inspiring. Yeah, it seems like we're going to be looking forward to some new and exciting different beers from Free Folk as these collaborations take shape and and the new brewery takes shape. So. Yeah, that's the plan. We I like I like I honestly I like brewing different styles. Um yeah, but you know, at the, at the same token, you know, it's nice to be able to hone in on a beer like Trucker Speed too, and really get it consistent. And because that's what, you know, let's face it, that's what makes a brewery a brewery is the the consistency side of it. So, um, and that's going to be our focus. But we're still always going to be experimenting with new styles and um, and looking to trends for people that for people. You know, I want to brew people beers that people like. <laughs> so it's a simple philosophy, but that's what I want. All right, Free Folk Brewery, Southern West Virginia, investing in their future. They're confident. They're moving up. They're going to be something you need to pay attention to here in the coming months as this new brewery gets open, the tap room and the new tap room here in Heiko, West Virginia. So, uh, Sarah and Jeff, thank you so much for being on West Virginia Beer Roads with us today. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for coming, Charles. Cheers. Yeah, my pleasure. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.